were just not supposed to be that strong, intelligent, and violent. It made men's fantasies come alive. In a very quiet way, it inspired women. Most of them couldn't read, but everyone talked. And everyone shared stories about Nora Hawks. Cryer's Run would be on the list of potential growth places. Good businessmen knew this. One oversaw the construction of a two-story hotel, complete with a restaurant. Chinese families moved in and created a laundry service for the hotel, boarding houses, and individuals. They also brought in fireworks and, at the end of town, a large tent with blankets where men could escape into the world of opium. After a long ride, a woman, whiskey, and a pipe let them escape for a night to prepare for another week or month on the trail. Jefferson Washington, a large, muscular black man, answered an ad that blacksmith Tony Mascaro had put out. Tony hired Jefferson to help him meet the increasing demand for horseshoes, fixing plows, and making wagon wheels. Nearly everyone donated money to build a church. Farmers, ranchers, and businessmen, except for Alan Goldman, spent their weekends working together until the house of worship and a small parish were finished. Nor was there help from Barbara Baylor, a short, stout woman who said Nora Hawks was a murderer. Be honest in front of the eyes of the Lord, she said during one of the meetings of parents after a work bee. Nora Hawks murdered those men. We were all witnesses to it. She was killing those who killed her husband, and our husbands, one woman answered. She killed poor Elmer Bridges in cold blood, Barbara answered. Cold blood. We witnessed it. She looked around with the defiant relish of a Christian clutching a Bible. Shot him through the brain as he was begging for his life. I recall she got Elmer's wife's permission, a man said. She said, I would do as you would, Barbara answered. That meant she could have forgiven him and let him answer for any of his sins to the Lord. The Lord helps those who help themselves, someone else said. She did what no man could or would do, said another man. She violated a woman's place in the world, Barbara shot back. She was the one who was violated, Anna, a young mother of four, yelled, no longer able to contain her anger. Barbara looked around at the men and women. And poor Mr. Jameson Parker, stripped naked, humiliated, sent to his death. At this point, folks looked at each other and walked away in disgust, leaving Barbara to bring her Bible to her chest, close her eyes, and pray. She prayed that these fool adults would spend their individual eternities in agonizing damnation. Barbara gave thanks to God that she had found Jesus. She was his lamb, his bride. Just thinking about the relationship made her feel warmer than either of her husbands or her several lovers. The razor-sharp axe came down with strong, practiced precision and severed the head cleanly. The man tossed the body into the dirt, where it writhed weaker and weaker into stillness. He picked up the still form by its legs and let the blood drain as he carried it toward the cabin. 
Nora came out with a pot of boiling water, and Peter dunked the chicken into it. They watched in silence for three minutes. Then Peter fished it out, and together they plucked the feathers from the swollen pores. Nora separated the pin feathers and set them out to dry, saving them for a pillow. And for dinner? she asked lightly. A surprise. French? Greek? Mexican? He smiled. Digestible. She looked away with a slight smile. The best kind. I hope so. You're going to help. As they carried the chicken and feathers into the cabin, she looked around. Have you seen Lenore? He shook his head. She just appears when she wants. That's not fair, Peter. Mainly when she's hungry, he said, and she felt herself get angry because there was some truth to that.